You know, in New Zealand, let me just mention it, uh, a couple of things about it, because it's important to know. It is the first place to see the rising of the sun. In other words, it is Monday over there in New Zealand. You're in for a good day, because I've already rung up and checked it out. And uh, so we lead the world in that way. Uh, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Amen. And uh, New Zealand is also the furthest place from Jerusalem. It's like the uttermost part of the earth. And so Jesus said, the gospel shall go to the uttermost part of the earth and it shall not return void. It's a beautiful country, as Pastor Mark had mentioned. We've got only 4 million people, 60 million sheep. <laughs> so we know something about shepherds and sheep. And it is true in the Bible, there is only one perfect pastor, only one pastor that was ever named in the Bible, by the way. His name was Jesus, right? The perfect pastor. And I often say, Pastor Deb, they crucified him. So kind of what, what hope do we have? But enough to say that uh, it's an awesome place. It is the home of bungee jumping. Bungee jumping originated in New Zealand, commercialized, that is, we, we pinched it off the natives in the, in the jungle doing it, and we commercialize it, and we are the home of extreme sports. You can go camping uh, in, in, our, in, our, in our bush, in our forest, and there's no wild animals, no snakes. Before white man came, there was no land mammals on our islands at all, only, only, only birds. And so there's no, not like Australia, because a lot of people get Australia and New Zealand mixed up. We've got 3,000 miles of water that separate us. Not like your red line on the map separating you and Canada, right? And I know the deal going on there. So enough to say we've got 3,000 miles of water separating us. And we are named Kiwis after not the kiwi fruit. The kiwi fruit is actually called a Chinese gooseberry back home. We don't even like the things. We just export them around the world. But... <laughs> But we are called kiwis after a kiwi bird. Kiwi bird is a flightless bird. It can't even get off the ground, man. I mean, you guys have got, you guys have got an eagle as your national emblem. How do you like a flightless bird? I mean, you need, you need to pray for us, amen? But uh, as I said, it is a beautiful place. And the other thing, of course, New Zealand is known for is its movies. Not the Lord of the Rings, but many other movies have been made there because of the scenery. It is so beautiful. But isn't it true how Hollywood understands the supernatural? I mean, whether it's Star Wars, you know, evil fighting good, you know, whether it's the werewolf thing or the super dudes, or even the Lord of the Rings, Hollywood understands the supernatural. And yet the church is a very place where the supernatural should be manifested. Not in Hollywood, but in the church. But often I find Christians are living natural lives instead of supernatural lives. Living ordinary lives instead of extraordinary lives. In other words, can I just say, Jesus said it, that the extra is found in the second mile. When we go the second mile, that's where the blessing kicks in. Anybody can go the first mile. And so you and I are called to live supernatural lives. Jesus said, come follow me. Now it was an invitation to a journey. He didn't tell them where he was going, just as well, by the way. None of them would have followed him, right? They all became a martyr, except John. They tried to boil him in oil on the island of Patmos, but he wouldn't die. But the thing was, was that an invitation to a journey, come follow me and I will what? Make you. I will make you. In other words, God is in the business of making us, changing us from glory to glory, line upon line, precept upon precept, into the likeness of Christ. Now that's a big ask. To die to yourself, Jesus did not say, take up your pillow and follow me. He said, take up your cross. 
There's a cost to Pentecost. In other words, we've got to die to ourselves but live to God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt, exalt you in due time. So you've got to die to your selfishness, your low self-esteem, your self-confidence, all that kind of self part God wants to occupy. But God wants to make you into his likeness. Now, I want to pray this morning, and I believe and trust in God that not one person will leave this place the way you walked in. We'd all leave changed, myself included. Amen? When I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself. I preach myself happy. <laughs> Hello. And so enough to say that um, uh, it is true that we're traveling across your country. We've already been across on this Harley-Davidson that I shipped out from New Zealand. We're now heading down the country. And the reason for that is we, I just turned 60 a couple of years back, and, and we're celebrating 30 years. We've got six grand, grandkids. I mean, life's a blast. But um, one of the famous New Zealanders, uh, the first man to conquer Mount Everest, was a man by the name of Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the second up Mount, Mount Everest doesn't matter so the thing is is that Sir Edmund Hillary I got to meet with him just before he died uh, just a couple of years back and he is a famous uh, New Zealander famous in the world the only people who don't know about him by the way are Americans it's quite interesting but uh, I mean you people play the World Series among yourselves you just got to get out more but enough to say <laughs> enough to say that I met with him and I, I got to pray with him and he said Peter never settle for mundane life so I said to my darling wife, I said, let's do something a little crazy. Let's just kind of hop on this bike and do the length and breadth of, of that wonderful country, America. And my darling wife, as I said, she uh, kind of suffers a little bit on the back, but she's a great girl. And that's the way you stay married. You stick together. Amen. And so I'm not here to talk about marriage. I'm, it's like bringing snow to Alaska, right? But uh, my wife is a, is a wonderful preacher and a, and a wonderful woman of God. Hey, I just want to pray. And I'm going to really believe God this morning that I said your life would be uh, changed and impacted it along with mine. Father, we just thank you today for the wonderful joy it is to be here, to be in the house of God. I pray blessing over Pastor Mark and Debbie. They're such wonderful people, such gracious people, such gifts of God to the planet. I bless them. I pray for them. And I pray for the campus pastors. I pray for every person here today that all of us would be challenged in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. I'm sure I'm talking to the majority of Christians here today, and you'd know your Bible. It's always dangerous when Christians read their Bible. But in, in the Old Testament, there is a piece of furniture known as the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most valuable piece of furniture to the whole of Israel. It was where the mercy seat was. It was where the cherubims were carved in gold, two cherubims meant. It was in the holies of holies. I mean, this piece of furniture was so coveted. It was so special. Why? Because this is where God dwelt. This was the presence of God. This represented the presence of God to the nation of Israel. Now, some of you would know the story that the Ark of the Covenant was captured once by the Philistines. I mean, the Philistines, the enemies of God, they captured the presence of God. You think about that. Think about Hollywood having the supernatural. Man, I wish I had more time this morning. But enough to say, the Philistines, they put it into their temple, and at nighttime, the next morning, they got up, and Dagon, their God, had fallen on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. Every knee shall bow. I said every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The gods of this world, the kingdoms of this world have become the any case. So enough to say they stood the statue back up. The next day they came in and his head was off and his hands, Dagon that is, fallen again before the Ark of God. 
And so they didn't like this thing. They didn't know what to do. Tumors broke out of them. And so they decided to get rid of it. They put it on a cart with two milking cows and they sent it down the road. Well, it arrived at this place. Some men looked inside this place. 50,000 people died. This was a bad day for some people, right? Big day. So in any case, you know, they, they didn't know what to do with it. And so um, David wants to go and get this ark. He heard about it. He wanted to go and get it. So he goes and gets it. This is a very short version now. And he puts it on a cart also. Should have been carried on the shoulders of the priest. There's some things of God you can't mess with, right? Hello, people saying, well, it's Old Testament. Well, Ananias and Sapphiras were in the New Testament. I just thought I'd tell you that. But in any case, they, they, were, they were carrying this ark on, on, the, on the cart. And, and one of the priests put his hand out to touch it because it was going to fall over. You think he was helping. And he got struck dead. <laughs> Heavy duty stuff, this stuff. So a lot of people dying around here. So the thing was, was that David didn't know what to do with it. So he put it into this house of this gentleman called Obed-Edom. Everybody say Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom the Giddite. How'd you like a name like that? <laughs> Obed-Edom the Giddite. And, uh, and the scripture says that it remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. Let me read you the scripture just so you know that I'm not making this up and it's not a fairy tale or anything like that. In First Chronicles chapter 13, and it probably won't be on the screen, but trust me. So David did not take the ark with him to the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Giddite. For thus the ark of the God remained in the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the family of Obed-Edom with all that he had. Now this was Obed-Edom. It wasn't Obed, the, the, son, uh, the son of Boaz, the grandfather of David. It wasn't that, that same Obed. This was Obed-Edom. And the Bible says that the, he had the presence of God, the presence of God in his house for three months, and God blessed him. Now it says here in verse 12 that David got to hear about it. David got to hear about it. Let me read you the verse. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him. And so David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into Jerusalem. And he did it on the correct manner the second time around. You know the story. Now, am I talking too fast for you this morning? Can you understand my Kiwi accent? Hey, we've only got half an hour. I didn't just come by to say hello. But in any case, this... Obed-Edom was so blessed, three months of blessing. David said, I want the blessing. Have you ever had a taste of something? Have you ever traveled, for example, in the, in, in the, in the, in the business class of an airplane or the first class? You don't want to go back to coach. I mean, it's like staying in a nice hotel. You don't want to go back to the motel after you've been in the hotel. Once you've had a taste of it, it's like a preview of a movie. Once you've had a taste, it's a little bit like the spies going into the promised land. They saw the grapes and they brought back a taste. Once you've had a taste of the kingdom of God, the world cannot satisfy you. I want to tell you, friend, the world offers so much but delivers so little. But once you've had a taste, once you've had a taste of the presence of God, nothing in this world can ever satisfy you. And so it's a little bit like the gleanings of the field. So many Christians are just living on the gleanings of the field. But God wants to give you the whole promised land. I often say some Christians aren't, don't need a devil. They're killing themselves. They may be on their way to heaven, but they're living like hell in the meantime. Well, God wants to bring you into the promised land. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Now, don't you look at me like a cow looking at a strange gate now. Okay. So let's get back to the story. And so... David brings the ark back to Jerusalem. Obed-Edom was so blessed. 
I, I, hands up those who want to be blessed in life. Oh, half the church. Come on. Hands up those who want to be blessed in church. Amen. You know, blessed in life. Health. Nobody wants to be sick. Prosperity. Nobody wants to be poor. A great marriage. Nobody wants, you know, hell on earth. Marriage is like a, an alarm clock. You get a ring and then you wake up. <laughs> They say love is blind, marriage is an eye-opener. Hey, I'm not here to tell marriage jokes, hello. But enough to say, they say marriage is made in heaven, but so is thunder and lightning. So the thing is, the thing is, friend, is so true that people want to live a blessed life. Nobody wants the other. But there's a way to get a blessed life. And we can understand that God has given us the keys of the kingdom. Everybody say the keys of the kingdom. There are keys and principles found in the scriptures that you and I can operate in order to receive the blessing. And why not live in the presence of God? You know, when Bev and I were on the Sea of Galilee, a white dove, think about it now, a white dove came down and rested upon her shoulder, on her shoulder. I was standing there saying, God, I'm the man of God. Where's my dove? <laughs> but you know, when that dove lands on your shoulder, friend, it's so true that it can be frightened off at any wrong movement. And you know the presence of God is like that. We need to walk with the presence of God in mind, with the presence of God in mind. Because the Bible says, do not quench the Holy Spirit and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so we can operate in the presence of God and the principles of God. And here was this Obed-Edom. Everything he touched turned to gold. He was such a blessed man. You know, he could have stayed at home. He, he was already blessed, like a lot of Christians on a Sunday morning. Oh, that was wrong. <laughs> But he decided to follow the ark, to follow the presence to Jerusalem, to the house of God. I want you to pick up the story, and I just want you to make a couple of notes this morning. It's worth writing it down, because he discovered something more precious than gold, more valuable than silver. And in First Chronicles, it lists out the workers in the tabernacle. Now, isn't it true? God says, Jesus said, hey, it's a good authority, right? He said that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Jesus was a carpenter. A lot of people say to me, well, I believe in God. Hey, even the devil believes. To believe is not enough. We need to belong. I said we need to belong. I know Jesus died for you as an individual, but he's coming back for the church. Yes, he is. He's building his church, the only organization on the planet that he's building. People say, well, I can be a Christian without a church. Can you? Can a bee be without a hive? Can a sailor be without a ship? Can a football player be without a team? The answer is no. You've got to read the book. I didn't write it, by the way, so don't look at me like that. <laughs> to be saved is to be added to the church, right? And you've got to be planted in the church. They who are planted in the church shall prosper. So it's one thing to belong. It's another thing to be a builder. Jesus was a carpenter, and he's looking for builders, people of the same nature and DNA as him to help build the house of God. Because people are only one heartbeat away from hell. And so here's Obed-Edom. He had had a taste of this blessing, and he follows this ark to Jerusalem. And in First Chronicles, it lists the workers of the tabernacle. And in chapter 15, it lists 17 gatekeepers. Now, gatekeepers, these are people in the car park, opening car doors. I don't know whether you got any car park ushers, but here they had car, you know, door gatekeepers, just looking after people, helping people. And in verse 20, among the 17 gatekeepers, guess whose name is listed there? Obed, I wouldn't mind my name in the Bible. And here's Obed-Edom, the Giddite, with a name like that. 
listed among the gatekeepers. He said, I had a taste of what this presence of God can do. I'm not going to sit back on my laurels. I'm not going to sleep in on something. I'm going to be in the house of God. I want to be around the presence of God. I'll do whatever I need to do to help. And you know, he was out in the car park in the snow on the heat, whatever it was. He said, I just want the blessing. I often say the church, friend, and I'm just trying to help you this morning, is not a passenger ship, a cruise liner. It's a working crew. In other words, there's no unemployed members in the body of Christ. The Bible says in order for the church to grow, every part, every member doing their part causes a growth of the body. Every person doing their part. It's not hard to get a church to grow if we can get every part working. Are you out there today? Turn to the person beside you and say, it's going to get better. So he said, David, I'll, I'll just serve. But it goes on. Number one, he's a gatekeeper. Number two, in verse 20 and 21 of chapter 15, verse Chronicles, it lists the musicians. The musicians. Guess who's playing the strings? Obed-Edom. I'll be at music practice, David. I'll turn up. Amazing how people will turn up, you know, at a rugby game or a football game and listen to the coach and don't be late. But, you know, dare, they, dare the pastor tell them not to be late. And they say, well, who do you think you are, you know? People listen to the world more than what they'll listen to the man of God who got, who's got to give an account to God for their life. Unbelievable. But enough to say, here he is playing in the music, with the musician. Now, he wasn't the best player. Chennai was the best player. He was the chief musician, but here was Obed doing his part. Then in verse 23 and 24, it lists four doorkeepers, just four doorkeepers, different from the 17 gatekeepers. Guess whose name is there? The only one whose name is there who's different to the others. And guess it was, Obed-Edom. I'll open the door for people. I'll be an usher. I'll help out David around the place. I just want to hang around the blessing. Whatever it takes, because I've had a taste of what that presence can do for my life, and I want to hang around it. I want to be around the glory. But it doesn't end there. In chapter 16, David appointed some priests, some Levites, to minister before the ark. Guess whose name in verse 5 pops up on the list? You've got it. Not a trick question. Obed-Edom. You may have never heard of this gentleman, but he was everywhere. Like nothing was too much trouble for him. He was available. God is after your availability. The biggest room you've got in your life is a room for self-improvement. And so here he was, and he's listed twice again in verse 36, or 38, sorry. He's now in charge of 68 gatekeepers. He's now in leadership. Wow. Now, we're not talking about climbing the ladder of success here. A lot of people climb the ladder of success and they find it very lonely at the top. We're talking about becoming a servant. Why? Because Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, become a servant. All right? I mean, isn't it true? You give and you shall receive. Serve the Lord with gladness. So if you want blessing to flow in your life, you become a servant in the house of God. It's not that hard to figure out. Here was Obed-Edom. And so Obed-Edom listed out, and he's now in charge of 68 gatekeepers. He's carrying a load. He's helping the, the house grow. He's a responsible man. Hallelujah. Maturity doesn't come with age. Maturity comes with responsibility. And so he left his home to become a janitor. You know, when I pioneered our church, I was New Zealand's top new housing, real estate salesman for six years running. And uh, when we pioneered our church, 
Um, I sold the two new cars, boat, caravan. You put everything you've got into what you believe, amen? And uh, over the years, I didn't draw an income. I just, you know, lived off our own assets, mortgaged a house, and finally I ran out of money, as you do. And, uh, you know, I found myself cleaning toilets up at a local school, at, at a school called Rangitoto College, one of the largest schools in the country. Here I was cleaning toilets. And uh, I was thinking, what, what am I doing? Here I was, you know, earning a lot of money. Now I'm cleaning toilets. But friend, you do what it takes to get the job done if you're prepared to serve the Lord. Amen. And it's amazing how God says, I'll take you on a journey. I won't tell you where you're going, but I will make you along the way. And friend, I want to tell you, if the toilet needs cleaning, are you prepared to clean it? If there's a bit of paper on the floor, are you prepared to pick it up? Oh, no, it's not my job. Yes, it is, friend. You're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. Amen. You out there today? Smile at me, would you? Just be nice. Come on. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It's true. The Bible says you've got to love me. Whether you like me or not, you've got to love me. I mean, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said it's a command. So there you go. In any case, so, so his name pops up. It's like he's everywhere. He's in charge of these gatekeepers. He's a responsible man. He left his home to be a janitor. He just didn't want to miss out on the glory, the blessing. I'll be in the car park. I'll sweep the floor. I'll, do, I'll stack the chairs. I'll straighten the chair. I'll be in the sound. I'll be in the lighting. I'll, I'll make the coffee. I'll do whatever it takes. Count me in. And then he becomes a hard place listed there. I mean, I don't know whether you know it or not. Most people don't. But he's listed 18 times in the Bible. 18 times. He's like an unsung hero of the Bible. The Bible says, whatever you do to find, do it with all your heart. And I find a lot of Christians, it's like they got one foot in the boat and one foot on the dock. And sooner or later, as one wise boatman said, you're going to end up a very sorry person. <laughs> in other words, friend, the only way that this Christian thing works for you and I is to be planted in the house of God. The only way it works is to get both feet in the kingdom of God and give it your very best. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your might. Amen. I mean, when it comes to worshiping God, you know, to get into your country, I had to have a passport, right? I could not pass the line without a passport. Well, there's keys in the kingdom. Does that not say, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. And so to get into the presence of God, you and I got to participate in worship. Well, I don't like the song. Too bad, suck it up. <laughs> you won't get in unless you participate. It's a passport. Can I hear an amen to that? And so here he is now. Point number six, by the way, in chapter 16, he's now taking care of the famous guest speakers. It's amazing. I mean, you can just read about this guy. He's serving. He'll do anything just to make it happen. Porter, janitor. I mean, it just goes on. But he's found in the house of the Lord. He's found in the house of the Lord. I'm just so passionate for the church. Church should be the head and not the tail. People, and, 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 and praise the Lord, get all excited about, you know, rock the city down at the lake, and I think it's wonderful. But how excited are they about church this morning? I'm just putting it out there. We should be more passionate about the local gathering. Because that is, you know, that's a week by week, that's a hard, that's, that's where it's at. The rubber meets the road. And so, you know, we support a lot of things, but friend, I want to tell you, be a supporter of the house of God. I'm just, you out there today? I just love the church. I love the pastors. I love the people. 
And God is building his church and he's using you and I to do it. And here was this Obed-Edom. You know, it sounds very much to me like in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. The first three words that describe the early church, I I believe should be the last three words that describe the last day church. Because today we have built very high maintenance churches and we need to return to low maintenance churches. Because never has a church had so much but been so powerless. And so the supernatural belongs, I believe, in the church. The power of God. But there's keys and principles that you and I need to learn and to to apply to our lives. And in the book of Acts, it's so important, and I'm just going to close with this thought, because it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day were about 3,000 souls that were added, and they devoted themselves. Everybody say, they devoted themselves. You know, there's a worn-out publican. You know what a publican is? A, a guy who keeps a hotel, bar, you know, where people drink, right? Okay, you got the picture? A worn-out pastor, and uh, he became a publican, uh, from pastor to publican, you know? And so the thing was, he had a pastor friend visit him, and he said, do you like what you're doing? He said, I love what I'm doing. And he said, well, why do you love what you're doing? He said, because I don't have to ring up my people and encourage them to come. They just turn up. This is in a pub, right? He said, I don't have to ply their money out of their pockets. They just hand it over. And, 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 and uh, we've we got to kick them out of this place. They don't want to go home. They love it here. He said, they are simply devoted. Amazing how people in the world will become more devoted to things than people will to the house of God. Something's back to front, friend. Something's got to shift. Something's got to change. It's like the, 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 the guy that was shipwrecked on a desert island and uh, this captain, like Robinson Crusoe, came towards the shore and he says to him, he says, are you alone? And the guy on the island says, yes, I'm alone. He said, well, what's that hut? Because he sees three huts on the island, three huts. He says, what's that hut? He said, that's where I live. He said, well, what's the other hut? He said, that's the church I go to. He said, well, what's the third hut? He said, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> some people can't get on with themselves friends you and I are called into unity and harmony that's what the word unity means harmony one voice one accord where there's unity God commands a blessing and the way we get people into unity is for them to die to themselves but live for God amen because you cannot have two visions in a church it's called division there's got to be one voice that's why God's got a plan it's called a man the senior pastor who's got the vision for the house Are you with me today? And so here they were. They were devoted themselves. And you might say, well, what did they devote themselves to? Well, friend, it says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Then it goes on in verse 45, to giving and to worshiping and seeing people added to the church daily. Friend, can I just encourage you, as I bring this to a close, to devote yourself to the purposes of God. I mean, you might think I'm a hard, mean person from New Zealand, but, you know, I tell my church, don't ring me at 3 o'clock in the morning. i got to sleep. Ring God. He never sleeps. <laughs> Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to reading the Bible. Devote yourself to fellowship. Be found in the house of God. Why? Because that's where the blessing is. The anointing in Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Learn to love the house of God. Learn to appreciate the house of God. Learn to be a servant in the house of God. And friend, I know that as you give yourself to the purposes of God and to the house of God, God will build your house. Can I pray for you? Father, we just want to thank you today for the blessing it is to be sitting in this house. I thank you again for the wonderful ministry that is here. I thank you for every pastor, every leader. I thank you for Pastor Mark and Debbie. What awesome people they are. What awesome gifts they are to the planet. I speak blessing over their lives. I pray for them and I pray for this congregation that all of us will devote ourselves. Father, we would not have to be coerced to anything, but we'd be givers. Lord, we would not be people who rob you of your tithes and of your, of your offerings. But Father, we'd be people who devote ourselves to the purposes of God. We give you the praise. We give you the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Pastor.